I don't know if you've ever heard the joke. Uh, you probably have. It's pretty popular. Um, why did the chicken cross the road? You ever heard this? And the answer to get to the other side, right? It's actually not very funny. You know, it's not a very funny joke. In fact, it might be the worst joke ever told. All right. It, it might even fit into the category of like a dad joke. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of like one of those, like, like that category, because uh, you know why dad jokes are funny, right? Because it's apparent. <laughs> Come on now, I worked on that one. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so pro probably, you know, a, a better way to say the chicken joke would be why didn't the chicken cross the road? Because he was chicken. Ha, so he was chicken. So, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I lost you with that one. <laughs> if you're new here, it's not like this all the time. Okay. Um, anyhow, but listen, at a young age, at a young age, we all kind of learn how to cross the road, right? Look both ways, um, uh, you know, hold daddy's hand. Uh, uh, and we kind of learn how to cross over to the other side. And like a loving father, God leads us in our life into different places and experiences and, and teaches us how to, how to, so to speak, hold his hand and to trust him uh, as he leads us to the other side. But sometimes, you know, making that trip, following God to the other side can be quite challenging, quite difficult, I would even say at times. I mean, there are times that, you know, God leads us into places and we're like, hold on a second, before we go, I, I'm not sure about that. And we, and we, we kind of question it. It's challenging. In the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus just finished preaching all day long. I can't imagine. All day long. I mean, full day conference and Jesus is the only speaker, man. It's an awesome conference. Huge crowd. He's teaching parables. Huge crowd is there. Uh, the disciples were kind of just starting out with Jesus in ministry. And, and man, they're, they're like, man, we had thousands on our first night. Man, I can't imagine where Jesus is going to lead us to next, man. He's probably, you know, Peter, man, we're probably going to have like 20,000 people this next time, right? Right, man, this is awesome. Then Thomas chimes in, I doubt it. You know, because that's Thomas, right? So let's just pick up real quick. Mark chapter 4. And verse 35, that day when evening came, he said, this is Jesus, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, to the other side. There's an other side to every season of our life. You may be uh, dating and, and, and you're looking for that other side. You're about to be into, maybe engaged and maybe married. Perhaps you're married and you're about to be on the other side and you're expecting a child soon. Uh, maybe you're leaving your job and you're about to be on the other side of having a new job. Um, maybe you're a student and you're going to be graduating soon. Or perhaps you're being led. God is leading you on the other side of something that completely scares you. And so God may be leading you to adopt a child. God may be leading uh, you to, to give significantly, more than you ever have before. Uh, God may be leading you to break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Uh, God may be leading you to quit your job and start something brand new. That scares you. He, he may be asking you to retire, to sell your home and move. He, he may be leading you to confront a friend 
or a family member, there are so many other side type scenarios that all of us experience in our life. But regardless, we are all on one side of where God is leading us to next, that other side. But I have to say this many times, many times we never follow God to the other side. Many times we kind of refuse to venture out with the Lord. We never want to cross over or or make that trip. We kind of just stay right where we are. We we, we stay right here. We kind of remain where we are in our life. And we're kind of stuck. We stay safe and and we stay comfortable. So, So let me illustrate this. For you, because because I think this is important for us to understand. Um, so so here's here's us, okay? We're all really really skinny apparently, okay? Um, all right, and there's kind of us on the other side, okay? And and when we choose to live what I call the comfortable, comfortable, the comfortable life, where we just we never cross over to the other side. God's leading us there, but we're like, nope, (laughs) no, I'm not going to do that. We feel it, we know it. Here's what ends up happening. Here's what's going on in in, in the life of the believer, life of the Christian. When you're following Jesus, you're like, no, I'm not going to go there. Okay, we kind of move along and we view God. This is our view of God never really stays or, or never really changes. It kind of stays the same. And really our view of ourselves, okay, so this is view of self here, Um, again, just kind of stays the same. And this is as we move along. The result of living this comfortable life, never wanting to cross over, never wanting to venture out with the Lord. You know you're calling, he's calling you there, but you never want to change. You just remain I'm good here. I'm good right here. This is safe. This is good. I know this. It's familiar. The result of that, listen, this is a stagnant plateau faith. So stagnant, right? And slash plateau faith. This is the result. And so, you know, if you're doing an emoji today, it's just kind of the mm, meh. It's the man life. And this, I'm going to say, this is where most of us are. This is how most of us, most Americans, Christians, this is where most of us live. Is a, just that comfortable life. You might grow in your knowledge. You might do a few devotions. Uh, you, you might learn a few, uh, you know, sound bites here and there. Learn a few Greek words along the way. But for the most part, um, your faith kind of remains the same. And some people live here for, for years, that, that comfortable life. And in this passage in, in Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus was telling his disciples, we're going over to the other side. When, when you look at the context, he's actually instructing, he said, we're going. It, it wasn't up for discussion, but here was the challenge for the disciples. See, in this context of Mark chapter 4, the other side was Gentile territory. And, and that's really, in this day, that's really not where good Jewish people go. That, that's, a, that's the other side, but that's the other side of the other side, right? That's beyond enemy line, man. That's, that's way over there. 
In addition to that, these, these disciples, they would have known exactly where they were on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And to, for them to go from where they were exactly to the other side, they knew exactly. That would have put them in the region of the Gerardines. That's a cemetery. People don't go there. You're, you're not really allowed to go there. That's not a good place for us to go. And see, for many of us, we make every excuse not to follow where God is leading us. Why? Because it's so uncomfortable. Because it is scary. Uh, I mean, we don't think we can even do it. No one's ever done this before. And we start talking ourselves out of following Jesus. Because, let's be honest, we actually know full well the cost of what it would take for us to go from where we are to that other side. We actually know what it would cost and we don't want it. We know that it's going to be painful. So if you're taking notes, listen, write this down. Often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm willing to endure. Often, the difference between where I am and where God is leading me, where God wants me to be, is the pain, suffering, uh, the, the uncertainty that I'm willing to endure. So let's keep looking at this. The disciples, you know, the text actually doesn't, they don't seem to hesitate. They seem to just go, okay, let's go. And they get in the boat and they cross, they begin to cross over, they follow Jesus. So let's keep reading. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now listen, if the disciples weren't worried about crossing over at this point, they were now, right? They're like, oh, this was a bad choice. And Thomas was like, I told you, right? I mean, this was a bit, they're now in the middle of a storm. I mean, maybe perhaps they felt that this storm was a sign that they made the wrong decision to go to the other side. But the disciples, listen, when they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? The disciples were making that conclusion that Jesus doesn't really care. Listen, while they are in panic, because that's what panic does. Panic pollutes our perspective. You can't see straight when you're scared. When emotions are high, judgment is low. But let me just be honest with you. I mean, come on, can you blame them? Can you blame them? I mean, here are the disciples. They're in a storm. They're freaking out. They're scared. All because, listen, all because they decided to obey Jesus. They're obeying Jesus, and this is what they get. So, yeah. The disciples are a little frustrated that Jesus is asleep on a posturepedic pillow, right? Like, he's, what? And again, like, can you relate to that? I know I can, man. Some of us, we, we obey and we follow Jesus. And the moment we decide to do that, our obedience is met with resistance. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that? Okay, Lord, here am I, here am I, you know, make me into new wine, right? We're singing it, you leave church, and like, I'm going to do it. And the following day, something happens. 
The following week, something occurs. And your obedience is all of a sudden met with resistance. You're like, I obeyed you, and now you've obeyed, and you're, you're following Jesus, and now you're in a season, and you are angry with God. Where are you, God? You led me here. You told me I was supposed to do this. Where are you? Don't you care? Why are you silent? Do something. Show me something. Man, I've been there. I've been there. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's so key for you to remember. For all of us to remember, it says this. Just because Jesus is silent doesn't mean he's absent. You got to know that. You got to know that and understand that. Just because Jesus is silent, it does not mean he is absent. You see, we tend to equate hardship with not of God. You ever, you ever realize that in our world today? Man, if it's hard, it's not of God, right? It, we, we equate difficulty with must not be God's will then, right? Any kind of difficulty, any kind of resistance, oh, certainly not of God. So what do we do? We avoid it. We avoid difficulty, hardship, pain. We avoid it at all costs. We throw in the towel. We stop short. We quit. And we live far below our means of what we could ever accomplish for Christ. We refuse to go to the other side because it's just too hard. So we stay comfortable right here. And this stagnant plateau faith life is what you and I feel. It's what you and I experience. The disciples, man, they entered the storm. But something you got to know about the disciples is that they were commercial fishermen. They've been on the sea. They know the waters here. They've been in some storms before. They are nautical navigators. You know what I'm saying? They have a protocol to all these scenarios. So when the storm hits them, suddenly they knew exactly what to do. I got this, Peter, come on now. Like they're there, right? And they're doing it and they're working within all of their strengths and resources. They begin, and once all of their resources and all of their strength and everything they can think of is all ruled out, the only thing they have left is Jesus, right? So really what's happening is they don't cling to Jesus, at least at first. They complain to Jesus, you see, they're relying on their own strengths and, and to their own strength to survive, right? Until they realize this isn't going to work. So, so what does that mean? What, they're not clinging to Jesus. They're complaining to Jesus. So here's this next, next part here. So we go from the comfortable life, right? I'm good. I'm great. But then you decide, I'm going to obey and follow Jesus. And then the storm hits. You know what I'm saying? You know, so... so they actually fall into a, right? This is the complaining life. The complaining life. And here's what happens in the complaining life. In the complaining life, you actually, your view of God actually begins to decrease as you move along in your complaining life. And in turn, your view of yourself begins to increase. Shoot, man, I should have never been here before, man. We don't need Jesus, right? And, and what, what are the results? Your faith life, what happens to it? It begins to shrink. It is the shrinking 
slash plummeting, right? Plummeting faith. And now you're just not happy. This is the shrinking, plummeting faith where you start to have this complaining, complaining, Lord, why'd you do this? Teacher, don't you even care? God, don't you care? This complaining mindset. And you might not realize it at first, but you begin to go down that lifestyle. That's what actually occurs in the complaining life. You go from the comfortable that really quite frequently leads to the complaining life. And what is the result of your faith? A shrinking, plummeting faith. These disciples, they weren't clinging to Jesus. When the storm hit, you know what they should have done? Scoot over Jesus and lay down on the pillow next to him, right? They should have cuddled up with Jesus. The storm hit, I don't know what you guys are doing. Come here, I'll be the big spoon, right? Like whatever. That's what they should have done, but they didn't cling to Jesus. They complained to Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Who you cling to in your crisis is your Christ. Who you cling to, whatever that is, whoever that is, in your crisis is actually your Christ. And we cling to so many other things. And we look to it to save us. But it won't. So God allows us to go through such dramatic moments so that all these feeble attempts to save ourselves are ruled out. And the only thing left to do is to cling to him. Which means this. The interruption of the storm is actually an invitation to cling to God. The interruption is actually an invitation. Think about it in every other arena of our life. If we have a toothache, we want to call the dentist. If we see an engine-like indicator light on the dashboard of our vehicles, we call the mechanic. When we feel physical pain or some kind of discomfort in our bodies, we call the doctor. And the same is true with Jesus. Storms cause us to seek Jesus. Storms cause us to seek Jesus. And he will use the problems in our life to get us to seek his power and remind us of his promise. And in this story, he uses, I didn't say he caused it. He uses the storm with the disciples. He uses the storm to get the disciples to seek his power and remind them of his promise. His promise, we're going to the other side, guys. I told you that. You see, what Jesus didn't say was, hey, guys, we're going to have a lake day today. We're going to be on the lake today. We're going to go to the lake today. We're going to go into the storm together. He didn't say that. He said, we're going to the other side. The other side was the destination. The other side was the purpose. The other side was the promise. The storm was just part of the process. So let's continue Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He got up, Jesus, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Whoa, who's, 
who is this? Whoa, 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 what's going on? This is so key for us to understand here. This is so important for us to recognize because something happened in that moment with the, with the disciples that all of us need to recognize. It is so key, okay? In that moment with the disciples, their view of God significantly increased. Significantly increased. So much so that it actually terrified them. Whoa, hold on. Did he just do that? Did you see that? You taking notes? What? It, it terrified them. Their view of God increased. And by default, what came natural was their view of themselves. Like, hey, listen, we've been doing fishing stuff for years, but we're nothing. We're nothing. Right? And, and what, what resulted in that? Their faith. Oh, man. In that moment, whew, skyrockets. What is this? This is the Christ life. And what are the results? The results is a saving, powerful faith. Saving, powerful faith life. Let's go. This is what results in that very moment. John the Baptist, he said it so well. He actually described this. He said it so well. He said in John 3, verse 30, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. He knew it. It's so important for us to recognize this. See, it is as if we only have the faith of our previous experiences with God, right? Until... God wants us to see him in a greater way for a greater purpose than the storms come. And in that moment in the storm, the disciples, they see who Jesus really is in a much greater way that, listen, they otherwise would not have seen if everything was calm on the lake that day, right? If everything was calm on the Sea of Galilee that day, they would have never seen it. And when God removes all other things in our life to a point that we can only rely on him, that's when we realize he's all we need. So if you're taking notes, write this down. When Jesus is all you have, you realize he's all you need. He's all you need. Now listen, with everything I've just said about you know, our, our, our life and, and the comfortable life that easily leads to the complaining life. But ultimately, we want to live the Christ life. And, and all of the things that I just described about things in the middle of the storm that we learn and grow in, right? And come on now, we got this. I get it, and it's good. But there's so much more to this passage. And actually, there's so much more. I want to mention something to you. I didn't actually learn this until later in life. I actually had to live a little bit to finally realize it, to, to see it in hindsight, to really, you can only see it from the other side. So let me ask this. What if the storm that you're in isn't even about you? What if the storm that you're in right now isn't even about you? Can you imagine so let me go back to the story real quick, the Bible. Let me go back to the scripture, okay? Uh, what was on the other side? 
where Jesus was leading his disciples, what was on the other side over there? Well, see, in Mark chapter 5, the very next chapter, verse 1, it opens up with them getting to the other side. See, there was a man who was possessed by a legion of demons. Now, a, a, a Roman soldier legion, numerically speaking, was anywhere between 4,000 and 6,000 troops. So it's safe to say that this man had been possessed by a lot of demons, possibly by the thousands. Who was this man? Scripture doesn't name him. He's unnamed. But the scripture does say in Mark 5 that, that this man cried out night and day, day and night, crying from the tombs. Many tried to help him. I mean, you, when you look at the context and, and the Greek, many tried to help him. Animal tainers, everything. I mean, every kind of scenario, people were trying to help, but they could not. This man was completely bound completely lost. All hope seemed to be gone. Have you ever been there? Do you know someone who is there right now? Or man, we've tried everything. What happens when you try everything that you could possibly think of and every other person in your life can think of? Hope starts to drop. And all hope seemed to be lost, seemed to be gone for this one man on the other side. Except... Jesus was on his way with his disciples. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, this is verse 1, Mark 5. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, this man came running and fell at Jesus' feet in a posture of worship. And, and it's safe to say that for that moment, the man, the human man was in control. He fell at Jesus' feet. And then all of a sudden, the demons take over. And they begin to speak, and with a loud shriek, these demons, what they said was, what do you want with us, son of the most high God? And this man was fighting for his life. Jesus then cast them out, and the demons, you know, they, they, were, they were cast into a herd of pigs. These, these pigs immediately went down a steep bank and died. This man was now healed and clothed and in his right mind. Now, a lot of the times in Scripture, when Jesus performs a miracle on someone, he actually instructs them, don't say anything about what you've seen here today. But in this case, it was different. He actually tells the man, go and tell people all that God has done for you. In fact, many theologians believe that the large Gentile crowds that came later in Jesus' ministry was as a result of this one man's testimony. This one man's testimony. What we do know is that the word about Jesus did spread all throughout that area, that region, which is called the Decapolis. It was a grouping of 10 cities. One of those cities, listen real carefully, one of those cities was called Damascus. And sometime later, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus spread so powerfully in that town, in that area, that it captured the attention of one man, a Pharisee, named Saul of Tarsus. And on his way, Saul, to stop this movement called Christianity, Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus. 
And he became Paul the Apostle, the greatest missionary who wrote a third or so of our New Testament. What if the storm you're in isn't even about you? What if God has a greater story and he just wants to bring you along? What if there is someone on the other side Someone on the other side of your life, listen, who has been crying out, Lord, save me. Who's been bound, who's been hurting, and they're crying out. Listen, and they are counting on you to get through the storm. What if the storm isn't even about you? What if a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, Someone is counting on you to get through this so that you can help them. And God in his infinite wisdom is saying, go to the other side. I want to do a great work on the other side. On the other side where great power happens and I want to accomplish it through you for the sake of the gospel. Would we go to the other side and would we trust God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the message here in Mark chapter four. Lord, throughout our entire life, you are constantly leading us from one side to another side, from one season to a new season. Lord, we want to have the kind of faith that is a saving, powerful faith to trust you no matter what, to follow you no matter where it will go. And yes, it's going to be scary. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, the storm is going to be intense. But you're in the storm with us. You're there with us through it all. Help us to cling to you because it is on the other side where we see great power for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.